Welcome back to another edition of Sound the Sirens. I'm your host, Thomas Ornes, and today I'm joined with my brother, Michael. What's going on? And we just got done recording with our ne- next guest. Kyle Kempt. He, just like Trevor Ryan, was a former walk-on and turned into an Iowa State legend. Had just a, was a, a pivotal piece of the rebuild of Iowa State. Got on campus during Campbell's first year and then had was a huge part of that 2017 team that ended up winning the Liberty Bowl. Obviously was a huge, played a huge part in the win against Oklahoma in Norman against Baker Mayfield. And now has um, joined the coaching staff, and this will be his third year um, on the staff, and has had the unique opportunity to kind of see Brock um, from a freshman and now going into Brock's senior year. So it's really, it was really cool to talk to Kyle kind of about his career, um, what Iowa State means to him, and um, now being on staff, seeing going into a year that potentially be the, the best season ever. So it was, a, it was a great conversation. Kyle is a great guy, and I think Iowa State, Iowa State is – Super lucky to have him, and I hope he stays on staff for a long time. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And that being said, let's get to the show. Down court, off the glass, good, double Tinsley. But something special is in the air here. Long. Games. Brees Hall over the right side, powering in, touchdown Cyclones. Out to the 10, to the left side, to the 5, touchdown! Oh my goodness, what a touch by Wall! Okay. So, our first question, um, just kind of rewinding back to when you were um, deciding on coming to Iowa State, uh, were you considering going anywhere else um, or was Iowa State kind of, you had your eyes set in Iowa State? And if so, what, what really drew you to come to Ames? I mean, originally I was going to go to Toledo where Campbell was at, um, you know, because I spent 2015 as a Juco in Hutchinson. Didn't play there at all. And then ended up like falling back on my relationship with Campbell and the coaching staff um, back when I was in high school. So I just, made that decision where it's like, if I'm going to try and finish anywhere in my playing career, it'll at least be where Coach Campbell is because I trusted him. And I trusted Coach Manning, and I had connections there that, you know, were going to help me at least get a spot on the roster. So I took a visit to Toledo, Thanksgiving break in 2015, and then not even like a day later, Campbell took a job at Iowa State. And then from that point, um, I managed to – get in contact with some people that were going there and ended up you know, walking on there. But yeah, I had no intentions of coming to Iowa State really up until came with the job here. Oh, really interesting. So um, you, you were planning on to Toledo and then Campbell took the Iowa State job. You're like, okay, and I guess we'll follow coach because I have a good relationship with him. Yeah, that's essentially it. I'd never heard of Iowa State at all. Never knew where Ames was. Never really been to Iowa. Um, so this was like all brand new, you know, so I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Awesome. Yeah, so that was my next question. I was like, if you never watched Iowa State games on TV or saw how they beat Okie State back in 2011, do you remember that? I don't even remember. You don't remember any that? Of that ever. That's uh, yeah, I mean, and I was on the West Coast and I grew up and I played high school football in Ohio and never really knew anything about, you know, I just, I knew about Iowa and what they did a little bit, but 
because they recruited me back in high school. But other than that, not really, you know. Dang, that's crazy. So you're now coming to Iowa State. What was your – walk us through, like, the, the first day names. What was your what was your first impression of coming to Iowa? Oh, first day in Ames, I'm pretty sure it was, like, 30, 30 degrees or something. And, like, really cold, really rainy. Um, it just – it was, like, the first day of, you know, I didn't know anybody. You're showing up with all the early enrollees. We're all kind of, like, trying to figure out what's going on. And at the same time, too, everyone else in the team, like, nobody really knows any of these new coaches. So I feel like I felt the same as everyone else of – you got new coaching staff. You just there's just so much unknown of what's happening. Um, but for me, it was just like I'm gonna put my head down and and just work really hard and, and try and go from there. Um, but there's just so much uncertainty coming in because I, I truly had no idea what I was getting myself into coming here. So it was excited, uh, but also just like taking a leap of faith into the unknown. Gotcha. So who who would you say like? Who did you become co- close with during that first semester in Iowa State? Like, was it a, someone that also was coming in, or is it a, a current player? Uh, I mean, honestly, I came in here and didn't know a single person. The first person I met was Sam Harms, who was a tight end in 16, 17, and then, like, helped coach in 18, and I live with him currently. And then Landon Akers, who just went to the L.A. Chargers, um, me and him met because he came in. He was a gray shirt in – 15 and then came in in 16 in that early enrollee class so those two really are who I became close with and then from there I just started to meet a bunch of people throughout workouts um and yeah like I still live with Sam I lived with Landon for three years when we were both together in college um but those two initial guys like ended up I ended up becoming really close with at the gate and then really as the season went I didn't start to get to know a lot of the older guys until probably spring ball summer and then a little bit into the season um but yeah it was just there was a lot of people that were on the team at the time in 16 that did not make it through the spring that did not make it through the winter that did not make it through the summer so it wasn't until that 2016 fall camp that like you really started to get to know everybody because there were so many guys that were quitting leaving you know retiring and then transferring like there's all the above you just never knew who was going to make it to the end of each week. So what was it about Campbell that you were willing to like come to Iowa State, walk on? I think you probably played Iowa State tuition to play at Iowa State. What was it about that Campbell initially that sold you to come walking on to Iowa State? Yeah, I mean, part part of it was when he was at Toledo, I thought he was a great coach. Um, our high, My high school coach that was under, I mean, Campbell were roommates, and Toledo would come to the high school I was – at and they would host their camp so I actually got a chance to spend a lot of time with them um our colonel my coach Jeff Myers was a big reason why I ended up at Iowa State in the first place because he was a DA at Toledo and he was kind of my contact the whole time when the transition to Iowa State was happening um but in all honesty like I thought Campbell was a stand-up guy I thought he was a great coach I thought I really believed what he had going on at Toledo and the only reason I didn't go there in the first place was because I thought he would, like, leave within a year or two of me ending up going to Toledo. Um, so, I, you know, I thought he was a Power 5 coach. I just didn't think he was at the right school uh, at the time when I was getting recruited. Okay. So his first year, um, 
he kind of inherited a program that obviously hadn't had a ton of success in the years prior. Um, what point did you kind of feel that the the culture of the tides were turning that he was really going to build something special here? Because I, I know there was there's some there were some times during that season where we really showed signs of oh we have some talent where we could be really good. But was there a certain game or like even was it after the season where you, you really thought like wow we could really start to compete in the Big Twelve? I think like the Baylor game in sixteen where we kind of went back and forth and it was that high scoring game we ended up losing kind of, I think, opened everyone's eyes that we can definitely play with a lot of teams and then just working throughout the year and playing a lot of close games. Like, even we got out of Texas, like, in 16, and that game's kind of close. Like, there are a lot of games throughout the season that we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. Like, Oklahoma on Thursday night, I think, and the game is relatively close for what they were putting up that year. Um, But after the season, like, I think going through the spring and summer, we're starting to build confidence and the seniors on that team were fed up with the way the program was. We're fed up with the losing. And I think we had the belief that we could turn it around, but it, you know, it was, we beat you and I, we lose to Iowa, we got Akron play and we lose to Texas and everyone's still kind of on the fence. Like we have a bunch of guys that are like really bought into what's going on. We have a good senior class, a good freshman class, and you can tell the momentum's turning. But we just needed that one, I think, push for everyone to, like, truly, truly buy in. And that's why I still believe, like, that Oklahoma game was the turning point because then everyone, like, truly, truly believed. And the guys that worked their tails off, like Alan and Joel and David Montgomery and all those guys, Campos, Trevor, like, they were able to help push that thing over the edge. And the rest of the guys that were kind of on the fence really were able to believe and I think that's what you know helped change the tide of our program so you kind of mentioned some names there so what was the what was kind of the what was it like that that spring winter after um Campbell's first season I know we talked to Trevor last week just kind of like David and Brian Peavy were two names he mentioned where they were just in the gym all the time forcing guys to come work out extra watch film um was that what was it like just to kind of you felt like you said field momentum changing, but like, um, just what was it like for them to kind of really push you guys to kind of really change um, what Iowa State was about? Yeah, PV is another name that I need to mention because he was so instrumental on the defense side of the ball, getting those guys to really turn turn the ship around. But I think for me and Trevor, like it's two different experiences because Trevor like played, you know, PV's played a lot, Allen played a lot. I was still trying to find my footing as a player. And at the time, it meant, you know, competing to be the backup because that's when Joel went over to linebacker. Jacob was the full-time starter. And then me and Zed Nolan were competing to be a backup. So for me, like, I think, like, getting opportunities to go with the one offense, um, seeing some of those winter throwing sessions and the summer throwing sessions and start really, in my from my perspective, like, seeing the number of guys that started to come to these player held workouts because when I first got there, like nobody did anything outside of, you know, the required workouts. No one would come in on Saturday, you know, very few people would like work outside of the facility. There wasn't a great culture there of, you know, perfecting your craft outside of what's asked you to what's asked of you to do at practice. So that second year, 
you could really tell the young guys and the older guys were leading this charge. Like David and Jaquan Ben are two guys that stand out. Guys that would come in on Friday night at 11 o'clock because they were fed up with losing. Trevor being in there all the time working out. PV being in there all the time working out. Um, you know, just by nature. Like, that, that's how I am. So I was always in there at least helping for me, like helping the other guys get better because that was my job at the time was just to help the receivers catch footballs and like at the other time to help me progress and hopefully win that backup job. So like, I think like it was more of a people would just stop talking and just start working. And that was a big um, turning point for our whole team was seeing these guys start to come together outside of football and start to work instead of having the coaches you know, on you all the time about being at the facility and doing things like that. It just started to become a player-led program, and that's where really the labor started and the little changes really started there. How much has that changed, like, since the, your first day at Iowa State compared to now, since you were still in the program? Is, like, is it night and day from the culture sense? It is night and day because you can't get the guys to leave the facility, and now there's a – expectation in the culture that when the freshmen come in, the older guys teach them about it. They show them what's the right way to do things. They show them how to put in the work and they really set a great example of what needs to be done around here to win. So it, it is completely night and day and I think the biggest thing is the guys on this team understand who we are, how we get how we're successful and what it takes to get there. And there's a formula for that and Honestly, like that formula is not going to change. Like we're not just going to become this team that we aren't all of a sudden. Like we know what wins here. We know the players we get, and we know the rest before that. So the biggest thing is just making sure that each, you know, senior class and group of older guys and leaders like conveys that message onto the young guys so that cycle keeps going. Because I know, like for me and Trevor personally, and a lot of other seniors that I could probably speak for, like it would be really disappointing for us to come back at some point and see that the team isn't, they aren't doing what they should be doing. Like they aren't working hard. They aren't doing the extra little things. We got to grind and scratch and claw to get every ounce of ability as we can out of our players. So I think for us, like, yeah, the culture has changed a lot, but the big challenge now is keeping it the same and not letting us think we're something that we're not like, we all just got to be true to ourselves and know what makes us successful. Yeah, it's pretty cool from from your perspective to kind of see the the ground floor of what Campbell built here, and now to kind of see how fast it's grown and kind of what the potent, our potential is, and just to also be able to contribute to continue to grow that. I think that's pretty awesome. But you mentioned the Oklahoma game. I think Thomas and I could talk about this game for Four. ten hours a day yeah. for the rest of our lives, but. Just the, the week leading up to that, like you said, like you guys put the work in the winter before, you felt like the culture was changing, but you really hadn't had that, the validation where you beat a big time powerhouse school to kind of validate the work you put in. What was, what was the vibe the week before pra- the, the, pra- the week before the game? And then even like early in the game, like what was there something that felt different than games prior um, just kind of walk us through, because obviously you are a huge, huge part of that win. So just, it'd be just interesting to hear kind of your experience the week before and um, even during the game. I just felt like the, all the guys in the team that 
you know, were big players like Allen and David and, you know, a lot of the receivers, middle linemen and the tight ends, like they did a great, really good job of rallying around the situation, rallying around me. And it was like, hey, we're going to go out there and play and we're going to do everything we possibly can to win the game. And we're just going to leave it all out there and we're not going to be nervous about it. And we're just going to go see what happens. Um, and I remember having a good week of practice. I remember, you know, I'm sure a lot of people on the, even within the team and within like anywhere would probably expect us not to win the game. And I think for us, we just found out that if we just stop worrying about all that and just focus on doing our job and just taking it one play at a time and like actually living that to a T, that we would at least put ourselves in a position to have a chance to win the game. And so early on when we went down 14 nothing really quick, like it didn't really phase us because like we had nothing to lose at all. So, and we worked so hard just to get up to that point. So, you know, Coach Campbell does a great job of, you know, inspiring us to never quit, never give up, and just keep playing the next play. And, like, that's one thing I would say about our teams. Like, we don't die easily. So, by no means were we going to just roll over right then and there. We just kept playing and, you know, win the halftime within, you know, had a – they had a manageable lead in front of us too. And we are just able to keep chipping away, keep chipping away. And I think that's even a trademark of last year's team, like, we put ourselves in situations where it may not be that deal, but we get to the third and fourth quarter and the floodgates just open and you can see that team that's just taking so many shots on the chin and they just keep getting back up over and over and over. And it's really helped us develop like our style of play. Um, but just for that game, like we just believe what coach told us and really wrote that out. Here's, here's a question I have to ask you. I always wanted this before, like the Alan Lazard touchdown. Did you know you're gonna throw it to Allen the whole time before you like snap the ball? Uh, I just well with the play, it was like we had two verticals on the outside. It was our base day one play, and you know they're pressing Allen, and there was no one over top. So like, if I'm going off just my base rules, like yeah, but just because he's one on one, no one's there. Like if they're to they're going to double out and leave March open in the field. Like I would have thrown it to him. It was really just what the defense was giving me, and in that situation, it just happened to be our best player. So, which is you know. a wild move by them, but I worked out for us, I'd say. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you kind of talked about like you guys didn't really put a ton of pressure on yourselves during that game. Just you're playing with house money. You just go out there and do what Coach Campbell told us to do, and you just kind of trust that that would work. But was there a point or a like a play that you kind of felt the momentum shift towards you guys where you're like, you know what, we can compete with the we can compete with these guys, but also like we can win the game. Was there a moment where you kind of felt that shift towards yeah, us? Yeah, I felt that third down. We're back. It's after Joel gets that fumble, and we're on like the two yard line. It's like third and twelve, and then I throw that ball to Allen. That's like forty five yard gain. Come out of there, end zone. And then that's what I felt. I'm like, these guys can't guard Allen. They can't guard Akeem. Like, that's what I felt confident. I'm like, this team, like, well, whatever. We're just gonna. That's when I. That's when I felt really confident after that play. And then I realized, like, hey, like, this is just football. I'm like, we're just as good, and we're definitely better than their defenses. So, like, that, yeah, we all got really confident after that. And in Oklahoma, defensive defensive players are known to be very chatty. Did they? 
where they chatted that game and they finally shut up since you you showed them that you could play since you hadn't really had any tape on you? No, those guys didn't really talk a whole lot. Like I know their defense this year talked quite a bit. Um, they had some good D linemen, and you know traditionally they've had good. They've always had a good edge rusher. They've always had good linebackers. They've always had good corners, and just I felt really confident throwing to Allen. I felt really confident throwing to our bigger guys. Like they could match up with them size wise, and that gave me a lot of confidence. Like Allen can just bully these guys the whole time. So it was it was, an, it was at least easy for me in that regard to feel good about throwing to them. But I didn't do a whole lot of talking, and I probably wasn't paying attention to this because I was trying to figure out what was going on. You're locked in. Um, so for going from like your JUCO receivers compared to like where you're throwing to at Iowa State receivers, like was that like just a huge gap? Or like, dang, these guys are studs. How long did it take? was a huge? It, it was a pretty big gap. Um, and honestly, like I didn't really get to throw to a lot of the older guys until that next year. Um, but I mean, you go to JUCO, and there's some guys that are like incredible. I mean, like Xavier Hudson, JUCO guy. Uh, and I didn't have, like, any really marquee guys at the school I was at. But you know, you'd be surprised at some of the talent there. But when I came here, I was definitely surprised at the level of talent um, that we had. Because, you know, for what I heard about the team, like, I wasn't really expecting there to be a whole lot. But I came here and I saw Allen and see Akeem and Trevor and some of these guys on offense. Like, we had some really good skill players. And it seemed like they did a good job recruiting before we got here. So the famous picture from the Oklahoma game is like the, the, the stadium's empty. You're just like sitting down in the end zone. Like I just, I can't imagine kind of the whirlwind you went through from being a backup, being like a kind of behind the scenes guy. And then you're thrown in the national spotlight. You just had the biggest win. I was the history up to that point. Just walk us through. Like, was it just kind of like surreal where you're just like trying to gather yourself or like just what, what was going through your mind when you just kind of got to sit down by yourself? It was definitely surreal. I was just making sure I at least got a chance to take in the moment because, you know, after the game, it's like, you deal with all that. And then, like, I'm just thinking about death at that point. Um, so for me, it was like, just sit down, think about what happened, think about why it happened, enjoy the moment, and let yourself just live in that moment for the next 30 minutes to an hour. Because then, you know, it's in this world, you got to move on and get to the next one. Um, so, yeah, it, it was definitely surreal. It was a lot of happiness for me of just, like, having the grind up to that point and then feeling like you earned the outcome of that game. Like, it just didn't happen for no reason. Like, the outcome was what it was because the guys in the locker room worked their tails off because I was able to have an opportunity to do that, and I took advantage of it. But... I was more happy for the team because of knowing what we went through to get to that point. And, you know, it really just felt like we were just starting to figure out how good we could be. Um, and fortunately, like, I was right in that regard, at least. So then, fast forward a couple of weeks, we're playing another top five team against TCU. What was the difference going to that game after you've already beat a top five team a couple of weeks prior? Was it similar to kind of like we're not putting pressure on ourselves, these guys are really good, but we believe we're also really good, we can play with them? Or was it you walked in there with confidence, you're like, you know what, we expect to beat these guys? Um, you know, I thought with the way our team was playing, like we had a chance to get them. So I think from the confidence standpoint of that, like I knew that 
we were going to put ourselves in a position at the end of the game to potentially win it because the defense was playing really well. You know, we were doing – we had a good week on offensively before at Tech. Yeah, we also knew, like, TCU was very good on defense, and I knew that too. Um, and we're playing at home. And it's one of those games where it's like, for as much history as, as we've had, it probably set – you probably set yourself up to, like, be a little let down, like having all these expectations from a team that does not have expectations. Um, so we did a good job there, and really our, our defense played so well that game and ended up winning us the game at the end. And we did just enough on offense to get it. But I think that game was part like, yeah, we deserved it, and part, yeah, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, and like even the rest of the season too, like we go to West Virginia next week and lose and kind of have a rough end of the season, but finish it out with a bowl victory. Like there's still so much potential there. Um, and we did make a lot of progress, but it was like both good and both, hey, you guys still have a lot of work to do. And I think each year you keep kind of seeing that, like even last year. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a wild year. I mean, it'll be looked back like kind of the, the turning point where Iowa State proved that they can compete with national talent. And I've hopefully what last year showed is just something that will build into 20, 30 years of consistent winning and uh winning um, and competing for a big 12 title. So going to the next year, um, you weren't even guaranteed to know if you were going to play because you were trying to get granted a waiver to get next year of eligibility, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah, was, I was just kind of waiting around for about a month and a half there. What was that process like for you? Because, I mean, we hear about people apply for waivers, but, like, we never get to hear, like, the behind the scenes of, like, working with the NCAA. So, like, from your standpoint, what was it like? What did you have to do? And then was it just kind of a lot of waiting or what is it like, what, uh, what happened? Well, there's just a ton of waiting and it was kind of wild because I didn't hear for like two months and I really had no idea at which way I could have gone. Um, so I guess to like hear that I got the waiver was like surprising at the same spot at the same time. And I was happy, but like, I'm just working out the whole time. Um, kind of just waiting around. It, it's just weird. Like you just really just going to class, not really with the team. You know, I didn't really know what to do. Um, so, you know, the time was definitely stressful for me. So you but, were, were you not allowed to work out and, like, practice with the team at that point? Uh, no. Oh. So I was, like, working out on my own. I mean, I was through the facility, but I wasn't, like, there practicing or working out with any of the guys. It wasn't until, like, I actually got the waiver that I was able to, to get on with the team. Um, so that was weird. Like, I came in, like, you know, we're halfway through winter, and I'm, getting in getting on there now um so like that part of it probably wasn't fun but yeah it's just anyone who has to go through a waiver process and sit there and wonder if they're getting a six years like you just don't know because you don't know what the NCAA is going to do it's just it's it's a little all over the place with you know their consistency yeah and that's fair and i think it's true today still um so now you get your waiver now you're we go into the next year and you are the starting quarterback versus the year before you were battling for the backup spot from your standpoint. Well, how was that different? Um, and what did you, what did you enjoy about kind of knowing it was your offense going into the season and, um, who was kind of, who did you kind of lean on to kind of build chemistry and kind of continue the momentum going into the next year? Well, me and Hakeem and David were really close that year. Um, you know, we we're kind of breaking in some new, Newer receivers too, you know, 
Matt Eaton came back with Deshante again, and you know we were Coach Manning left that year too, so really Coach Campbell was running the show on offense. And um, honestly, like I look back on the year and I'm kind of thankful for it with a lot of the craziness that happened because it helped me probably realize that a like you can't forget who you are and you can't get away from what got you there. Um, so like, there's definitely a bit of like that or I wouldn't say regret, but like if I was to go back and do things, I would definitely do some things different um, of just handling success and handling the expectations. Um, and I think it's made me better actually as a coach, just being able to like be on a, as high of a high as I've been with the Oklahoma in the 17th season and then really being as low as you possibly can be in, in 18 um, with the injury and just some of the things, you know, like I get injured and Brock goes in and does an incredible job and should keep playing. And like, that was really tough for me too. But at the same time, like it helped me realize like what I need to do to like be successful in life and how I need to handle success. And, you know, it's a year that I can always like reflect back on for really, really valuable life lessons. So during that year, you were like kind of a mentor to Purdy. And when mm-hmm. during during that year, did you realize like, man, I could do this for a job and someday? And then you, how long did it take for you to realize that I can do this for a job and want to be a coach down the line? It it honestly took a while. Like it, it was easy for me to mentor Brock, and I think it was easy for me to mentor him because. I've mentored and helped so many players before I even started playing. So that was a natural position for me. Like I helped out with the quarterbacks. I helped with the receivers as much as I can. The tight ends, like I just developed a relationship with so many guys on the team before I started playing. And yeah, I was really used to like just helping guys with the offense. Um, so when Brock came, that was a very simple role for me. Um, and then after like more so just dealing with the injury and the, all the emotions and, battles behind it um but then like being able to put those aside and at least help brock and help the team out in any way i could that was important and then after you know i spent really 19 the first part trying to get on the nfl team made it to a rookie camp and then came back and coached and i would honestly say like it wasn't until last season that i really figured out that like this is what i want to do because I wanted to stay on health, and I, I just kind of wasn't sure what I wanted to to do after college and really after football. Um, but the the work we put in last year, the amount of time I got to spend, you know, here and as a coach, and really find my stride as a graduate assistant, uh, really helped me figure out that this is what I want to do. So, you know, eighteen definitely had the groundwork for it. Um, but I'd say it wasn't until like last season and going through everything we went through that made me realize that this is what I want to do and and I've got a chance to do this for a long time hopefully so how long did it take for you to realize in like 2018 that man this pretty guy can he's going to be a stud uh I figured that out pretty quick um, just watching him throw and handle practice and and really a couple like seven on seven couple scrimmages I thought this kid was special like being able to throw the ball over the middle field hard for a young guy coming in. And he was really good at that right at the get go. Um, you know, I just, I thought he was a unique kid who had a lot of really great traits to be successful as a quarterback. And for him, like everything he was coming in helped him be successful. And the foundation he had as a person, like 
truly helped him continue that success. And that's why I love Brock because he's the same guy every day. And I bet a lot of money on him to be successful because of that. Um, so he's just one of those guys that, and you know, it with freshmen when you're around a program and a freshman comes in, you know, when those guys are really successful, they just got that it factor. And it's a lot of it's like the character trip that they have along with the athletic ability. And I knew that with Brock. So it's it's been really good to see him continue to thrive off that. So saying that when he comes in as a senior expected to be the starter, um, is there like, is it, is the dynamic ever kind of odd? Cause you know, like this is the guy that could potentially take my job. Um, obviously the injury made it differently where I was, he was kind of forced to take over. Um, but like I was, I'm always just interested in like when a, there's a starting quarterback that's proven had success, but then this kid comes in that's doing well in practice. Like is the dynamic ever uncomfortable or kind of like what, what was that like that, especially that summer or spring? I guess in a normal, and like I can say this from my perspective, like normally, yeah, it, it probably is like weird if you're, if this is how the quarterback room is. Like it's, there's one guy that plays and you got a bunch of guys in there that are talented, but going through leaving Oregon State, going through being at a JUCO, going through what I went through, like, I stopped caring about all that stuff and I made it my sole purpose to make that room as tight as possible and be close to everyone because it's, there's just no way you can get better if you're just trying to make enemies in that room. So for me, it really wasn't like I just was supportive of the guys. I wanted everyone to do great. And I knew at the same time too, like I had to continue to push myself to be great for the team. Um, so yeah, like, but, but that is true. Like you get a lot of situations in schools where, it's just awkward. Like that, that's just how it is. And, you know, hopefully like as a coach, I don't want that to be in my room because I feel like it hurts the room. Um, like, yeah, competition is going to happen. It needs to, but you guys don't need to like be petty towards each other. Cause I, I think that's just not helpful for the team as a whole. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. Cause I think, I don't know, you definitely have egos with any athletes, especially sometimes, the quarterback room, I'm sure there's egos at a lot of schools, mm-hmm. um, but that's, it's honestly a perfect storm for what happened to Iowa Stakes. I mean, having your experiences, like, I don't think there could be a, a better guy to kind of handle that situation and also just kind of help um, the transition for Brock. Um, but, so, Mike, another question I have is, so you said the 18-year Manning was not coaching, and so Campbell was kind of took the reins as far as handling the offense, but with you being um, a sixth-year senior and had been in the program for a while, what was your role kind of even was was there a role for you like breaking down film and helping kind of the offensive game plan going week to week or what what did that look like in the quarterback room? Nothing in like that regard of game playing and breaking down film, but more of like helping Brock understand the game plan and like being that extra quarterback coach to where because um, at the time like our current quarterback coach Joel Gordon was like also kind of doing the he was running the show with Campbell a bit there too so he was just as busy and so for me like I was able to like help Brock understand the game plan understand how to watch film coach him through things like just be that extra extra voice in his ear about what's going on and really just an extra set of hands to help what the coaches are putting together to help um, implement what the coaches are putting together Um, and he would ask me a million questions and he was always great about that so yeah, less like breakdown at all and less breakdown in game plan, more of just like helping him understand what was going on and 
you know, what the game plan was, what the defenses were, all those little things. Gotcha. So, like, transitioning to, like, this spring, uh, spring football is over, and so I'm just basically asking how, like, has the team done since, since last year we didn't really have, like, a spring ball because of COVID? Has, like, everyone come together and had the strength coach as a camaraderie of, like, we're we're back and we're going to have a real, like, a season that is going to be actually feel like a real season with fans and all that? So, oh, yes. That, no, that's we had a good spring. We had a really good winter in the weight room. Um, Coach Campbell set a phenomenal plan for us as a team. Um, and we're really excited about it. So it, it was really good all spring to see everyone back. I mean, we had split practices just as a little bit of a different format for us. Um, but yeah, like the camaraderie has been great. Like it, it's all very normal. It feels very normal, at least for us, you know, within the, within the COVID regulations that we've had. And it'll feel even more normal as we get to the summer as some of these start to get dropped. But you know, everyone's pumped. I mean, we expect the stadium to be full. Um, season to be completely normal. And for us, like, the spring and winter was just a continuation of the fall and just following the same format of what we did to, like, not have game canceled. Games canceled, really, is the way I'd put it. So we had a, you know, we had a good spring and winter. I know it's hard for fans sometimes because they don't get to see much this time of the year, especially with the lack of, you know, open practices and things like that. But, you know, I truly believe like we did those two periods of the year the right way and it works to have a great summer too. It's good to hear. Yeah. I, I know as, as two huge fans, we're very excited to have Jack Trice sold out and hopefully forget 2020 ever happened. Um, but I want to go back to something you mentioned about kind of not knowing what you want to do after football. And then now, realizing that coaching is kind of what you are wanting to do. Um, was there a coach on the staff or a player or something that had an effect on you? Were like, well, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Or just talk about who's kind of played a role in now forming Kyle Kemp, the coach. Yeah, I think like coach Campbell initially was a big, he's a big part of that. It really supported me, but honestly like coach Manning's been huge for me. Um, just working under him and, and coach Gordon has too. And even, Coach Myers, like, there's a lot of great coaches on staff, but, like, I would say Coach Manning, Coach Gordon, currently are my work under, and, you know, Campbell continues to be such a huge influence for me of, like, how to do it the right way. And, you know, without their advice and, and really all their input, I would say, like, I wouldn't be in the profession. But because of them, like, I have an opportunity to do this, and I've had an opportunity to find my footing in this profession, too, um, you know, as a young graduate assistant. So, they've been role models and they will continue to be for the rest of my career. And, you know, I'm really unfortunate because all the coaches on the staff here, like it is such a great group and it's a very cohesive group because so many people have been together for such a long time. Um, so I've been truly fortunate to be a part of the staff because you get so many great coaches and people on the staff and, you know, it starts, starts with the head coach. Yeah, I, I agree. He's, we hope he stays for, 50 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so um, you have another year as a grad assistant, is that correct? Yeah, this will be, yeah, this will be my second year as a grad assistant. Okay. So then, Third year on staff. Okay. So I guess for someone that is not in the coaching world or kind of sees the coming in the ground level and kind of how you progress through um, a coaching tree, what, what do you think it looks like after you're done as a grad assistant? Um, 
obviously you probably won't know where, but like what kind of role would you want to step into if you could have it hundred percent your way? hundred uh, percent my way, man, I would love, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question because obviously I have a lot of ties here and that would be my first and foremost thing to look at is, you know, staying on here somehow. And, and honestly, like it, I thought about it a lot and a lot of those things don't heat up till December, but I'd love to be a position coach somewhere, at least having a chance to work with my own room. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's going to be what the opportunities are there for me. Um, so I don't know, like that, that's hard because I, I don't want to like say something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's just like, you, you just, I know how these things go. And obviously like I do have, I do have a certain, like, I do have a couple things I'd love to do. Um, but first and foremost, like my mission and being here and obviously folks on this season first. For sure. So now so I'll, I'll give the coach speak answer because you're going to take over for Belichick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, take over the Patriots with Mac Jones there. Not a bad gig. <laughs> no. So now, okay. Now let's say it's 15 years from now. If you were to, if is the dream to be a head coach? I don't know if that's a dumb question. Cause I don't know if ever the, guy going to coaching wants to be a head coach or like, what would be kind of like your dream job in the coaching world? The dream for me would be to call plays. In all honesty, as much as I thought about that, like that is my dream is to run a unit and run an entire offense. And I think like working under Coach Manning has really made me realize that dream because I spend so much time with him and I see what we do here and I really love it. And I want to take that and use that somewhere and, and see what that can see what I can do with that and. I just want to have something I can put my name on and be in charge of. Um, I would say that before being a head coach, because in all honesty, like being a head coach is so unique. Like you work a little bit less with football and it's more, you're managing the team, you're managing things outside the team. Like I'm really invested in football and I want to be a part of that and have that as my day to day. And, you know, some head coaches can do both. Um, some can't. So I would say like, I'd, I'd pick being a head coach. I'd pick being an OC over a head coach right now. Dang, that, that's awesome. Yeah, we're, we were talking with Trevor last week. He said it'd be awesome if you, Brian Larson, and Trevor are all um, running their own units at Iowa State someday. It would be pretty a yeah. pretty cool. I season. know that'd be that'd be super cool. I want Trevor to be my strength coach. So <laughs> it'd be awesome. Get Larson back here too. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So now, kind of just a a question about you growing up in Ohio. Um, who did you cheer? Was what college did you cheer for growing up? Well, I lived in Ohio for only three years from 2010 to 2013. So I grew up in Oregon. Oh, okay. And my older my older brother was an Oregon Duck, played quarterback there. Grandpa was a Duck, so I grew up an Oregon fan. Um, nice. Went to games all the time, which ironically enough, I went to Oregon State for two years. Yeah, but right. that That's was crazy. my team. That yeah, was my team growing up. Really, when Mike Bellotti was there, and it was like Dennis Dixon. Yeah, I was Jeremiah actually Johnson. I was actually a Oregon fan, like, but I would say it wasn't really. I would say it was pretty bad, so I just had to pick a team that was had success, and I had a Dennis Dixon jersey, and he was super good. He 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 was awesome. The year he was like almost, he was like runner up in the Heisman or something, or like almost was, and blew me out. Yeah, against ASU, I think that was 
that was Chip's first year I think he's at OC. Um, I also love watching USC growing up back when they had Liner and Reggie Bush. Like I was a yeah. huge Reggie Bush fan. Fair. Wendell yeah. White. Uh, even yeah, though, even when, though we got pushed into the end zone against Notre Dame, but it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It's all, I, I didn't have. I don't have the Notre Dame ties that people in the Midwest do. So. <laughs> yeah, our, our whole side of our one of our families Notre Dame fans. So yeah, yeah like, it's hard. It's hardcore. I've actually learned that pretty quick. Yeah, it's crazy. So okay, how many iterations of Oregon jerseys did you have growing up? Did you have just like yeah, thirty like, jerseys? Yeah, like sixty of them. When, oh man. Probably two years after I left, they started doing all the jerseys like back in 2007, 2008. I had a couple jerseys. Um, and then they really started to get crazy with the jerseys when I left and went to Ohio. So I didn't have like too many, but I had a bunch of Oregon stuff. Gotcha. Um, that probably saved up. your parents some money though. Yeah. No, yeah. But my older brother used to give me stuff all the time. So no, we had plenty of stuff. And then I thought all the jerseys were sweet. You know, the first iteration I did was like the gridiron. Yep shoulder pads yep. yeah. and then it just like took off from there and they had everything that was sweet and I was like, this stuff's incredible so was your dream to play at Oregon or did you know that because like speed speed kills there so did you like were you like self-aware like ah, I don't know if I'm going to be a quarterback at Oregon yeah yeah speed <laughs> kills but I definitely wasn't the speedster <laughs> <laughs> I don't know honestly growing up like USC would have been awesome to play for um I'd really like to play for Stanford. That would have been cool. I didn't have like a team growing up where I was like, "Man, I'm going to play here." And I've always, I've always had that in my mind. I guess part of that's just we just moved around so much, and you know, I saw Oregon like didn't really end well for my brother, but I was still like a fan there. Um, but I also knew that like that probably wasn't going to be my fit. Um, and I definitely was a fan of the Big Twelve. Like I always watched the big 12 games because of the air raid with tech and Oklahoma state and Oklahoma. And like, so for me as watching as much big 12 as I did, not knowing Iowa state probably bad on my part, Yeah, but I was definitely excited when I came to Iowa state to play in the big 12, because that was like a dream of mine of getting a chance to play at Texas and at Oklahoma and some of these schools, um, you know, cause I've been in Pac-12 country and big, big 10 country, but the big 12 has always had, my interest honestly That's was it awesome. was it weird being the crap out of your team you grew up with and the fiesta bowl yeah <laughs> it was funny um because <laughs> because my uncle went there my grandpa went there cody went there and i just had all these ties there and like now it's like why are you playing Oregon? <laughs> no it was a lot of fun and you know it was great for the guys to win but a little bit of personal personal glory there too so yeah, sure. i felt good yeah, it was such a bummer that there was yeah, you, no you, fans yeah. there. There would have been a hundred thousand Iowa State fans that have flown to Arizona, but Oh, I'm sure. That's what it was like. It was funny. It was the least packed game we had all year, minus the games that um didn't have fans. Right. I'm so like, okay. Man, I would say people would have showed up in droves for this game. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. So all so growing up on the West Coast, it sounds like Oregon was if you were to pick one, it would be Oregon. Was there a pro team that you identified or was like a favorite player that you loved watching growing up? Yeah, Terrell Owens, 100%. I was a big Terrell Owens fan growing up, 49ers. And then when he got traded to the Eagles, I became an Eagles fan, and I've really been an Eagles fan since. But I was T.O. through and through, loved him, loved his game, loved his style. Like, I got a chance to watch him play a bunch. And then when he went to Philly – 
then like Donovan McNabb, Deshaun Jackson, who was I watched at Cal when I was growing up and loved him, loved him, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. No so when Deshaun went to Philly, like it was perfect. Like I was just there, and then Mike Vick and that whole era was that was really cool. So I loved all those teams, um, especially the team that won the Super Bowl. Big fan of that team. Bulls and the defense played really well. Um, we had some really good. We had a really good team that year. That's awesome. But yeah, it's, it, it, when you live in Oregon, there's only one professional sports team. That's the Trailblazers, and I wasn't a Trailblazer fan because I was a Kobe fan, so I was a oh, Lakers really? fan. Yeah, so I watched Kobe. I went to went to a game like that was my team. That's and then I wasn't I wasn't like a big Seattle Seahawks fan. Uh, so I like my parents rooted for the 49ers or my brother rooted for the 49ers. My dad was a Raider, so like we just had a bunch of different allegiances in the house. But I love Tio and I love Kobe, so I just like players more than I like teams at the time. Yeah, so that's a pretty solid combo. It's yeah, pretty good. So okay, so talk you talk about playing the, the Big Twelve. What was what was the loudest stadium you played in? Loudest stadium. Um, good chance it was probably West Virginia, or I'm probably missing one. West Virginia is loud. Texas is loud. Like Texas is really loud when you when they like really get going because then you start to hear actually how many people are in that stadium. Um, West Virginia is loud because they're rowdy all the time, you know, and they're consistently loud. Uh, I'd say, like, Oklahoma State's pretty underrated, too, when they start hitting those paddles and you're down there in the in the end zone. Um, yeah, I would say, like, West Virginia and Texas are the two loudest stadiums. What was the – last year, what was the most satisfying win for you watching him? Whew, I would say mm, – that's a good one. I'd say Texas, honestly. Yeah. That's that's ours too. Going down there and winning and winning in the fashion we did. Oh yeah. It felt very gratifying at the time. Um because it's been really hard to beat that team and because they have, you know, incredible athletes in the Texas and all the history and stuff, but more so of like we're playing on a short week. Like there are a lot of things leading up to that game that besides all the things on paper that obviously make it satisfying, like there were a lot of things happening that week that made it a lot more satisfying because it was just it just got that much more difficult um so yeah that was like for a lot of personal reasons that was a big win for us yeah during that and game something that, um during that game uh sorry to cut you off there um campbell like punted and we were like why didn't you go for it and then our defense gets out goes and gets a three and out and we're like we should probably just trust campbell <laughs> yeah and those are the things that coach you got to make tough decisions and we're questioning and you got to stick he trusts our defense to get the ball back, and they got the ball back, and then we're able to go on and chip off enough time at the end to win the game. Um, but yeah, like that, that's why it's tough to be the head coach. But for him, like that just shows how much faith he has in this whole team, and he's not going to put the defense in a bad spot with that much time left because he knows they can get a stop, and it helps us out too because you know now you're not going for it in a pressure situation. When you can punt it, play the field position game, get the ball back, and still have plenty of time. Like that's tough in the moment because you want to go for it, but you know ultimately he made the right call because that, that's just who he is. Yeah, Campbell's kind of rewiring Iowa State fans' brains and having us <laughs> trust him a little more. With, with uh, like it, I, trust me, it, I know it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to be a part of those two. Yeah. 
Yeah, someone that's played NCAA football a lot. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I ever punted, so it's it's, like, that's just kind of the, yeah, the default as a fan. But no doubt, just go every time. Yeah, the, the default offense is just to get mad when you punt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so go kind of going into next year, obviously. I mean, it, which is it's kind of interesting for you because you were part of that 2017 where it was the flip switch. where like, holy crap, Iowa State's good at football. A ton of hype going into that the next year, 2018. Mm-hmm. was a weird year start with the SDSU game that gets canceled lose to Iowa so like it was just a weird start but I don't think that even comes close to the hype going into this year so I guess yeah I would, I would say it doesn't because of the number of returning guys we have and because of the way we finished that season too yeah if Hakeem came back that year then yeah, true um, so I guess that being said we have 20 of 22 starters coming back um but is there is there a guy that comes to mind that is younger that might do you, might have a bigger in, impact than fans might think just because we have so many starters coming back? Yeah, I could like, name a couple. Um, you know, I think a guy like Joe Noel is a guy who's been probably pretty high up as a recruit. Um, definitely one of those guys that I've been super impressed with coming in. Uh, I'd say like Deion Thomas, another one of those guys too. I think like overall that freshman class is, has been super impressive. The guys that come in, um, the guys that came in early, like I've been very impressed with them just from the way they show up to work, the way they've been practicing, the way they go about every day and just how they handle things. They don't act like freshmen. Um, they're still young guys, but they're definitely an impressive group. And we have, a, you know, the rest of our freshmen coming in the summer. So I'm excited to see what those guys are. But, you know, I would say, like, just continue to develop up front. You know, we got so much better on the offensive line last year. Continue to grow in the run game. Continue to grow with our receivers. And, obviously, continue to grow with Brock as well. So, there's a lot of things to look forward to. But, at the end of the day, like, we have a lot of expectations. We have to handle success. And we have a target on our back, which we typically have not. So, that's all going to be very new and it's very challenging for the team. But that's the exciting part is when you have success. Now you've got to deal with it, and the grind just becomes that much harder, and you're going to have to invest that much more if you really want to get to that, get to the pinnacle. So it's an exciting challenge for our team. Um, it's an exciting challenge for the coaching staff, too. So, you know, just going forward, we're, we know what the expectations are, and now we just got to handle it and hopefully, like, continue to keep that rolling every year, and that's what you want is to build a consistent program that you're going to have these runs where – you're going to have high expectations and you know, this is probably the first year that it's been this high and you're hoping that this isn't the last time you, so. For sure. Yeah. And then, um, since you, obviously you saw Brock's first day compared to now, what, what would you say is the biggest difference between kind of how he's grown as a player? Um, I mean, it's, he's very like, there's a lot that he's very similar with since the day he's shown up and obviously he's developed physically and got a lot bigger, faster, stronger. Um, the kid's still is super accurate like when he showed up, but he's also grown in a leader and kind of grown out of his shell too. You know, so I would say like I'm very proud of him of doing that and then also just like he's ultra competitive and being able to handle honestly, like being able to handle failure and grow from that. Like I always go back to the Baylor game and how hard that was like we you know, as a quarterback, you throw three interceptions. You never want to throw three interceptions, but it happens. Like, that's just part of the game. 
and for him to go back out and turn the thing around and lead us back to a victory in our defense securing at the end, like I was super proud of that moment because as a quarterback, you got to take the play that just happened and whether it's good or bad, you got to move on from it. You got to get to the next one because if you let it linger then it's going to hurt you for the rest of the game and you're going to make mistakes that you typically shouldn't mistake, typically shouldn't make. And then, and you know, that's, really the hardest job of the quarterback is just to move on from that whether it's a good play or bad play and just keep playing every play now and brock obviously has a pretty darn good guy to lean on at running back too like i was at that game and man you brock you could not even tell he threw three interceptions like he just moved on and like past iowa state quarterbacks we'd have been he would have sold it in so fast and that's what different what i think is different about brock and why he might be he's probably considered the goat at quarterback when he's done. So yeah, he's, I'm definitely proud of the progression he's made over the past couple of years. Yeah, I, w- I wish I could have that same play as while well, golfing. Um, it would probably <laughs> help a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Kyle, we really appreciate you coming on. This yeah, yeah thanks awesome. for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think Iowa State is extremely lucky to have gotten you when we did and continue to, to have you a part of the staff. Cause I think you bring a lot to the table. I think that especially now as a, a GA, you do a lot behind the scenes that obviously people probably don't know about, but I think I'm just excited to kind of see where you, you grow as a coach. And as long as you're in Ames um, or wherever you go, we'll, we'll cheer for you, but we're, we'll be happy if you stay in Ames for a yeah. long time. So you're, you're an Iowa state legend and you continue to be. So I appreciate it guys. Yeah. Hopefully I can stay here as long as I can too. Sounds good. All right. Well, you take care. Um, enjoy your this this summer, and we'll we'll look forward to seeing the sidelines this fall. Yep. We really appreciate it. you coming on. Yeah. Can't wait to have people back in the stands. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll see you there. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks. See ya.